Hi, welcome to Talk Racing to Me with Naomi, episode 70. The final major prep race weekend is upon us with the Wood Memorial at Aqueduct, the Bluegrass at Keeneland and the Santa Anita Derby coming up on Saturday, April 9th. I'm very pleased to be joined by Brittany Erton, on-air host and reporter for both NBC Sports and TVG. She will be present on course, so who better to talk us through what the day might have in store. First things first, Brittany, so glad that you're with me uh, today. How are you doing and where can we find you right now? Oh, I'm great. I'm actually at my parents' house in Monrovia, getting all prepped for the Santa Anita Derby. Of course, as you mentioned, this Saturday, uh, a lot of excitement, obviously, as we are just, you know, we'll be four weeks away from the first Saturday in May. So I know it's a small field, but there's so much quality within it. And if some of these horses run to expectations, we could see the favorite for the Kentucky Derby come out of the Santa Anita Derby, just depending upon what happens. But um, I'm excited. Yes, I will be working for NBC on Saturday. We have a show from 4.30 to 6 Eastern time, and we'll be showing all three of those major Kentucky Derby prep races. And of course, the full cards from all of those tracks will be on TVG as well. So it's an exciting time, no doubt. Absolutely. I mean, how does it feel like to be on the West Coast in terms of Kentucky Derby fever? Does it stir everyone a little bit there too? It does because we've done so well in the past, to be honest. There is always a strong hand out here in mm-hmm. Southern California. And though we might be on an island, uh, they, <laughs> they can definitely be competitive against some of the best in the East and the Midwest. So everybody loves the Kentucky Derby. And as we get ever closer and see some of these talented runners and see the fields kind of take shape, yes, there is a, a lot of excitement. I am obviously biased. Santa Anita, the West Coast <laughs> is home for me. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be rooting on the West Coast contenders, no doubt. Yeah, 19 Kentucky Derby winners have come out of the Santa Anita Derby. And most notable recent one would be uh, the 2018 Santa Anita Derby winner and Triple Crown Victor Justify. But you can even go back to the likes of 1989 Santa Anita Derby and Kentucky Derby and Preakness winner Sunday Silence, of course, around second in the Belmont behind Easygoer. So a lot of history there. Now let's talk about the 2022 renewal of the Santa Anita Derby. Of course, there's three in here for Tim Yak team, two for Doug O'Neill. I'm going to let you lead on what kind of stories we're, we're looking at. Well, there's plenty, right? So Forbidden Kingdom is such a great story because you have the son of American Pharaoh and Richard Mandela, who has not had a Kentucky Derby starter for almost 20 years. Many will remember him having to scratch Omaha Beach, who was going to be the likely post-time favorite just a few days prior to that race. So that was heartbreaking because for Mandela, it is the only box left unchecked. It's the only thing really missing on his Hall of Fame resume. And I know how much it would mean, though he doesn't want to talk about it, to get a talented runner like Forbidden Kingdom to the Kentucky Derby. And there's also the additional layer of the late B-Wing Hughes, this horse's own for Spendthrift Farm. And it would just be great to see them together. Uh, get to the Kentucky Derby for him in his honor. And of course, my racehorse with all of those owners. Uh, I don't know the exact number with Forbidden Kingdom, but I'm sure it's in the thousands. So it's just a lot of storylines there with Forbidden Kingdom. And of course, you have Tim Yakteen. It's been well documented that he's taken over some of the horses for Bob Baffert. This is a big moment for him. He is really thrust into the spotlight. The assistant to Bob Baffert and Charlie Whittingham and went out on his own and has multiple grade one victories underneath his belt, but he is a smaller trainer and has never had a Kentucky Derby starter. And now he has three 
potential horses, many of which obviously need to get the points on Saturday. But it's an exciting moment for him. Uh, he's a guy that does not love doing interviews. So I'm sure this is, you know, come as a bit of a rude awakening, all of the press surrounding him. And then you've got obviously the Daniel trainees, Happy Jack, which is named for his former assistant, Jack Sisterson. And no owned way. By I Cali did not know Barb. that. Yeah. That, that's yeah, brilliant. So it's named for him. Doug O'Neill told me, uh, well, it's a happy horse and Jack's a happy guy. So we named it for him. <laughs> Too funny. And then when the day is owned in part by the same team that brought you hard, Charlie. So boat racing. So a lot of excitement. Uh, I'm sure there, and those are long shot horses. So, I mean, you could really find a great storyline behind any of these six horses. I mean, wow. Yeah, this is, that's, that's quite in incredible to hear. Now, uh, getting back to Forbidden Kingdom, just perhaps a little bit more from a handicapping point of view, he really seems to have thrived now as a three-year-old, but I did hear that he had a small fever, I think, after the San Felipe, missed the work, yes. but seems to be doing well again now. Yeah, he missed a work and Richard Mandela is saying that's behind him. He's not worried about it at all because he came back with two very strong works. He mm -hmm. blew out uh, three furlongs earlier this week. And so all systems are go. He's not going to use that as an excuse if he doesn't run well. The pace scenario is what's going to be really interesting for Forbidden Kingdom because the speedy sprinter, Taiba, written by Mike Smith, could be a thorn in his side, <laughs> especially in those early stages. Yeah, because do you feel like Forbidden Kingdom is the type of horse that is going to maybe pack up and kind of fold if someone heads him early? Because every time that he's won, he's been able to put some distance between himself and the field. That's the biggest question, isn't it? Because he has won in gate-to-wire fashion the last two starts, and he's opened up and set fast factions, but he didn't come home as quickly in the San Felipe as I think some would have liked. He's still got a very strong buyer speed figure in that race. But the question is, can he handle the pace pressure? Or, which I think they want to see, can he rate? Let Taiba go. Juan Hernandez has gotten this horse to relax nicely. I hear he's also relaxing nicely in the morning. And they're getting him to relax and rate. So if he can do that, that would show an entirely new dimension. But I don't think we'll find out until Saturday. Yeah, because that would give him another tool in the toolbox if he does line up on that first Saturday of May with, we always know at the start, just a lot of hustling going on and the chances that you get to the front, you know, are perhaps not as big as when you have smaller fields. Exactly. I mean, but it does, it is so beneficial to have speed. We've seen in, you know, recent history in terms of the Kentucky Derby winner and where they're coming from, they're often forwardly placed. They're in that first flight. We're not mm -hmm. seeing the horses that are coming from, you know, the parking lot winning the Kentucky Derby as much anymore. It's probably because of the point system and you're taking out of those really speedy sprinters that can't really carry their speed around of ground. So yeah. having that tactical speed, not necessarily a need the lead type is so beneficial in the Kentucky Derby and being quick from the gate. We know that <laughs> 20 horse starting gate, things can happen <laughs> straight from the break. You got to be quick on your feet. Yeah, you got you want to leave the rest a little bit behind you. So if they do start bumping around, you're not you're not a part of it. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about Messier, who posted uh, quite an eye-catching 103 buyer in his last outing in the Robert B. Lewis. Uh, most likely all eyes will be on him as, again as well. We've seen that he can kind of take back and then come with a move. Uh, how do you think he will uh, fare in this? 
Well, if he runs back to his last race, he's going to be very difficult to beat, but he has to do that. He has to repeat that performance because right now it's an outlier on his resume. For me, I think he just doesn't like Los Alamitos. If you look at the two blemishes on his resume, the two second place finishes, they were at Los Al. Some horses love that track. Some horses hate it. Perhaps he's one that hates it. In terms of the pace scenario, it could really unfold to his liking because, as you mentioned, he is a versatile sort. He doesn't need the lead. So if they're flying up front for Bidding Kingdom and Taiba, I think John Velasquez would be um, quite tickled pink to be sitting just behind them in that catbird seat. <laughs> I, I expect him to, to be quite versatile in terms of where to place Messier. It's, like you said, it's a big ability for a runner to have to be able to be placed anywhere and then still come with a run so yeah so much to look forward to for the Santa Anita Derby uh, in terms of the atmosphere and, and being on track uh, how I wouldn't say how many but I'm assuming you've been to the Santa Anita Derby a fair few times covered it uh, as a broadcaster what is it like of course very picturesque track we call it the great race place I'm personally completely smitten by Santa Anita Park so please tell me what a day at the Santa Anita Derby would be like uh, again I'm biased but the atmosphere <laughs> is electric because you have the people that come out year in and year out for the Santa Anita Derby then you have the new fans that are coming out for the excitement on track there's a carnival in the infield they're doing a front runner buffet they're doing a party in the chandelier room they're doing a pop-up party that they think some country artists in the infield so there's a lot of excitement from that standpoint too aside from the great horse racing so I'm expecting, again, beautiful weather. It's probably going to be pretty warm, though, but we expect that in Arcadia, California this time of year. People want to enjoy a great day out, especially after two years of really not being able to be together. So I think the energy is just going to be palpable. I cannot wait. It's a Kentucky Derby prep race. I mean, it, you can't ask for much more, and you have some very, very talented runners. You know, in years past, it's just one of those days, I mean, we've had some rainy days, I think when Exaggerator won, and then of course when Justify won, I think I was in Keeneland watching my dad's horse finish third, so I was just rooting him on, and then eventually, <laughs> you know, seeing what Justify went on to do, so I have been lucky enough to attend many uh, Santa Anita derbies, and it's a special day, and I, I look forward to Saturday being just the same. Yeah, how's that been like in comparison, of course, with the crowds returning back to the great race place after, of course, that absence uh, during the pandemic? Have they come back in force? They have. And it's so nice to see, too. I think people are starting to feel comfortable coming back out again and being in crowds. But, you know, the benefit of horse racing, we're outside. That's a huge positive. So it's, and we have beautiful weather out here in Southern California. So you can feel um, the excitement coming back with the crowds coming back. And that started probably, you know, six months ago, everybody's starting to really get back into the swing of things horse racing never stopped and we're grateful for that because we have to take care of these living breathing animals and so we're lucky enough that during the pandemic horse racing was able to continue under very strict safety protocols but now to have people come back to root these horses home to be wagering and drinking their beer and enjoying a day out I, there's nothing better it's so nice to see yeah, I couldn't agree with you more because it really does, especially if you're working at the track as a broadcaster or any, any other profession for that matter, it gives you so much energy to have all that excitement back and to have everyone enjoying their day. It's kind of, you know, it's hard to describe how much that helps and how in a way eerie it was when there was nobody at the track. But I can't 
leave, let you go without inquiring about the Santa Anita Oaks coming up earlier on the card. Uh, Tim Yakteen with two again uh, in there, including a runaway Las Virginia's uh, victress in Adar Manor, who most likely will be very tough to beat in there if she continues to, to throw out these uh, pretty sharp uh, speed figure numbers. Those 94s in the last two are, they're going to be tough to beat for any three-year-old in that field. Uh, she's been sensational ever since she got around two turns. She was just itching for that ground. She's three to five on the morning line. John Velasquez will ride her again. Uh, my father had a horse that we think quite highly of in Queen of Thorns. Yeah, she dusted us that day, beating us by 13. <laughs> so she is the real deal. And she's got an outside post position. She's fast. I mean, somebody is going to have to come forward with a really huge performance to beat her. But that's a great thing about these young horses is they can show improvement and step up to the plate at any time. And so a horse like the two ain't easy for Phil D'Amato. Yes, she ran in the Santa Isabel behind Eden under the stars, but that was her comeback race. She's a talented runner mm -hmm. for trainer Phil D'Amato. And Micro Share is a horse for Richard Mandela that really put it together in her last start. Victor Espinosa will be riding. So any of these horses could step up to the plate if Adair Manor perhaps doesn't run her A game. But if she does, she looks very tough to be. And yeah, that goes as race number four. So a little bit earlier, we'll find out who is running for the Lilies. So race number four is 4.35 p.m. Eastern. And then race number six, Santa Anita Derby, 5.45 p.m. Eastern. DRF is very helpful giving me my ET uh, times here. So everyone uh, will be able to follow uh, all the action. Brittany, thank you so much for joining me here. And we'll have to get you back on uh, to just have a bit more of like a general chat and talk about whatever we want for about an hour or so. But this time I wanted to just get your thoughts on the great race place in Santa Anita Derby. But thank you again. And uh, yeah, this will be... First of many, I hope. Oh, absolutely. This was my pleasure, Naomi. Thank you so much for having me on. I will never tire of talking about the great racing action that we have coming up, especially from the great race place. So thank you. And uh, I look forward to our, our chat about whatever we want next time. Get tied on, guys, because that talk racing to me featuring Brittany Urton, it is coming. I want to hear all about her global travels as well as attending every single triple crown race and so on. In the interim, I hope you're all uh, doing well, staying safe and hopefully get to attend a couple of uh, triple crown races yourself. Do come and find me if you're going to this year's middle duel, the Preakness Stakes. Uh, of course, uh, I do work at Laurel Park as well as Pimlico. So we're super, super excited for Preakness at 147. But before that, we are gearing up for that first Saturday in May, the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby in the interim. I hope you're all doing well to find you back here again for next week's Talk Racing to Me.